arts news from around the area. Welcome to the Creative Cafe, sponsored by the Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo, promoting and supporting the arts, arts organizations, and artists throughout Greater Kalamazoo on 590 and 106.9 FM WKZO. Good morning and thank you for joining us on this lovely Saturday morning with the Creative Cafe presented by the Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo. My name is Eric Oliphant. I'm the operations manager and membership director. And every time I show up on the Creative Cafe, it is typically to promote an artist happy hour. And this time is no different. Uh, coming up on Sunday, February 11th at 2 p.m. at the Bell's Eccentric Cafe, we are doing our first artist happy hour of 2024, which is a job fair for performers, educators, and creators. Um, this is a huge collaboration between Kalamazoo Risa's Education for the Arts and a ton of local arts and education organizations interested in recruiting, training, and sustaining artists in Kalamazoo. There will be a panelist discussion with Dwandra Nicole Lampkin, Marissa Biannon, and Nicholas Jeffrey about their paths to becoming working artists as educators, gig workers, and performers. After the panel, attendees will begin networking with dozens of local uh, arts organizations actively hiring for various roles. This morning, joining me on the podcast is two of those panelists, Marissa and Nick. And I'm going to start with Marissa and ask our traditional first question, which is, what is your favorite morning beverage? I'll go with the classic answer, um, coffee, but I'll get a little more specific. I love the Kalamazoo Coffee Company, actually, oh, the hazelnut yeah. beans. We always grind them up. Yes. It's the best way to start the day. I'm a big maple walnut Kalamazoo oh, Coffee fan. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Good one, too. Very good. All right. So I want you to talk a little bit about your roots. Um, where did you come from? How did you get into dance? What brought you to Kalamazoo and Western to study? Yes. Yeah, so I'm originally from Kenosha, Wisconsin, and I, I trained at a studio called, back in the day, it was Kenosha Academy of Dance, Music, and Drama. And I had a instructor while I was there, and her name was Valerie Gonzalez. She went to Western for her undergrad, and she highly recommended that I pursue their program. I auditioned and immediately fell in love, um, came here. That was 2014 that I was coming here and then graduated in 2018 and saw that Wellspring had auditions and I auditioned, time had passed, got a phone call with the 269 area code and I was like, this must be it. And it was Corey on the end and she offered me an apprenticeship and I've been with the org ever since. So yeah, so you, uh, after graduating, ended up at Wellspring, um, Corey Tyrion Dancers is the full name of the organization, and you started as a performer there, right, as a dancer, but then you kind of made a shift into teaching, and you have a new title as of fairly recently? Yes, yes, so since joining, I was first brought on as an apprentice, so very minimal performances, things like that, but I was getting the training with the company, learning the technique, and then after that... Um, Rachel Miller actually stepped down from teaching in the academy, so I had an opportunity to step up and take over her classes. I did that for a semester, and then life got kind of busy, and I stepped away from that. Um, then I ended up getting an office manager role at a local dance studio. We had our former academy coordinator who was stepping away, and then I was approached by Corey and Kate, and they said, are you at all interested in joining us, helping curate our program, helping cultivate creating a space? And that was so intriguing and exciting, and knowing that I was stepping up, as you said, into the associate artistic director role, which is that new title. So I just, it seemed like such kismet that I could just have all my eggs in one basket and really just devote all my time and attention to the organization. And 
yeah, it wasn't on all the plan, but just said yes to the things that I wanted to say yes to. And here I am today on a podcast and I didn't think I'd be here. <laughs> well, we're glad you're here, even though you're a Packers fan. So oh, there yeah. we go. Um, the, uh, so I want to talk about teaching specifically because uh, Kay Reese's Education for the Arts, um, their kind of mission was uh, centered around teaching artists. And that is a term we'll get into in the second half. But you your initial plan was to be a dancer. You wanted to perform. Did you have any plans to be a teacher? Was that part of what you thought about when you were at Western or even in Kenosha? Yeah, I would say all of my dance teachers that I knew growing up, even if they performed, they were always teaching. So I think in dance, it's very much this understanding of, yes, you're a dancer first, but you will likely have to instruct or pass on that knowledge in some way, whether that be peer to peer in a rehearsal or I'm an actual instructor in a educational space. I learned through my time at Western that education was really interesting to me and being in now these more coordinator roles and diving into developing programming and understanding the growth of a program and how you can cater to the youth or the adults that you have. It really just started to spark that interest more and more and I'm hungry for more. Good. I, the, uh, for those of you that don't know, Wellspring is uh, home. Their home is in the Epic Center right next door to the Arts Council. And often I will see lots of uh, screaming youngsters running <laughs> through the halls and Miss Marissa uh, directing them one way or another. I'm curious, do you enjoy like teaching of all ages? Like, Do you like the young kids? Do you like doing more of choreographing for older groups or do you have a preference or just different experiences completely very different experiences when I first started instructing years ago I was terrified of anyone under the age of eight I would probably say sure. I was just please keep them away but that's unrealistic and they have so much to offer and now I actually really enjoy that preschool age because they're so they're these little sponges that just want to explore and they don't have the social lens of does this look weird? They're just right. moving their body in the way that their body wants to move. So that's a lot of fun. But I do, I would say I get the most joy and fulfillment out of working with the professional company. So I get to direct them and choreograph on them and just the knowledge that they all have and bring to the table and me being able to enhance that and also have conversations and challenge, you know, ideas of technique is really exciting. And that's what keeps me coming, right? Even though I'm in the leadership role, I still am learning myself, which feels great. That is very cool. Um, so what's next at Wellspring? I know um, you mentioned Rachel, who is this is her last year or last year was her last year as a rad fest. This and current year this is current going to be year. her last year as rad fest curator. Correct. And, and it's also the 15th anniversary of rad fest, right? Yes. So okay. we got a big one. Yeah. So tell us about that. Tell us about what else is coming up at Wellspring. Yeah, so we kick off RadFest, which is our regional alternative dance festival. We bring in artists from all over the country, and then we have international submissions for our screen dance portion. But that is actually kicking off on Thursday night, February 29th, big old leap day this year. Oh, yeah. And we're hoping to have some live music featured at our kickoff party. And then we're actually starting the whole festival with a Michigan-made concert. So it'll be all Michigan-based artists, dance artists, which is really exciting. That's new for the festival this year. And then in the spring, we have our spring concert as normal. Those mm -hmm. dates are May 17th to the 19th. And this year, we have a really exciting collaboration in the works with three local musicians. Those musicians are Carolyn Keeble, Corey Summers, and Lori Jarski. Mm -hmm. So please join us um, that evening, those three evenings that we have. It'll be a really surreal and intimate and organic and beautiful experience that you don't want to miss. 
Perfect. I want to bring in our uh, next guest and also a panelist at Happy Hour, Nick Jeffrey. Uh, first question, what's your favorite morning beverage? Uh, actually, pretty much the same thing. Coffee. Yeah. Kalamazoo coffee. I think it's Backpackers blend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a good one. Those of you not in Kalamazoo, make a trip over and get it if it's not distributed to your area. It's good stuff. All right. So I'd like to ask you kind of the same question. Talk about your upbringing and roots. What got you into viola, which is your instrument, and then music in general? Uh, so I grew up in Indiana in Muncie. Uh, my parents always listened to music. They weren't, uh, you know, performers or anything like that. But uh, there's lots of music in the house. And I started in my elementary school. And they kind of just took us into a big room with all the instruments. And we got to try them out. And I was kind of leaning towards the violin. But everybody was playing the violin. Yeah. So. Yes. Just wanted to be different. You have a funny quote on your website because um, you posted videos throughout COVID, which is very cool, of uh, performing at home. But you played a Paganini piece and you said um, you never thought you'd play that uh, because you'd always watch your violinist friend struggle with it. And you chose a more sensible instrument, which uh, makes me laugh a lot. I Honestly, I'd forgotten I wrote that. <laughs> well, it's out there now and any violinists listening, I'm so sorry. But, you know. No, I... Uh, <laughs> When I when I was in school in Cincinnati, my teacher there was always kind of mentioning Paganini like it might be something to do, and I was like, I don't want to do that. It's a violinist play. And then I uh, did my next degree at University of Wisconsin, and my teacher there was kind of the complete opposite of my teacher in Cincinnati, and she also suggested Paganini to me. And I was like, man, if both of these people who are so different are both recommending this to me maybe yeah. I should actually try it must be something secret in yeah. there yeah that's a great uh transition because I wanted to talk about your teachers in college because um you've traveled kind of all over the country to go to school and I I think especially in the instrumental world um a lot of people don't understand that that's more less about the school you go to like I you know, many people might know Juilliard is a very prestigious music school, but more about the specific teachers and who you're studying with on your instrument. Um, can you talk about, um, you know, who you, your important teachers were and why you chose, you know, Cincinnati and then Wisconsin and you spent some time in Colorado and. Yeah. You know, in a weird way, uh, I kind of just always followed the path of least resistance a little bit. Um, I, you know, growing up, uh, like I said, my parents were not musicians or anything. And, I um, wasn't really keyed into that world. Sure. So I, I just didn't really actually know a whole lot about uh, teachers. And, and you're absolutely right. That is usually kind of the main thing you're thinking about. Um, but really, I had applied to a bunch of different schools. In Cincinnati, I chose mostly because it was the cheapest. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, but I, looking back in retrospect, I think it really was the right place for me in a lot of ways. The, Mr. Kawasaki was my teacher there, and also Dr. Carroll were both my teachers. Hmm. Uh, and they really... Uh, helped me out a lot and then Wisconsin was kind of similar I was I was really kind of lost at the end of my master's um, and a friend of mine was just like hey I think you might get along with this person I know Sally Chisholm in Wisconsin and I went and took a lesson with her and uh, I left that lesson being like yeah this is where I need to be so very cool yeah and a ton of it is about uh, personality like who who vibes with you the right way who feels you know similarly to you or challenges you in the right way or yeah and and for both of those cases it really was challenging me because I, I think 
when I went, you know, started my undergrad, it was uh, something I, you know, that kind of structure and, and real kind of rigorous training was something I just had not experienced before. Mm. And then Sally was kind of more the hippie side of things. And, <laughs> and after having, you know, seven years of the other, you know, the opposite, it really was something that opened up my eyes to new things. So now you are, uh, and you've spent lots of time teaching throughout all of this, um, but you teach at Crescendo Academy of Music, which is also in the Epic Center here downtown where all the cool arts orgs are at. Do you consider yourself more of a hippie side of teacher or a challenging teacher? <laughs> you know, honestly, I've put a lot of thought into really kind of trying to figure out what each student needs. Sure. So I, I feel like I do approach different students differently. I'm, I'm sure, actually, if you were to watch me teach, probably I do a lot of things the same. Sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's something that I've really thought about a lot as I teach. And, and it's when I first started teaching, you know, you kind of get frustrated sometimes when you have a student that's not kind of responding the way you want them to. Right. And, and then you kind of have to think, well, why is it their job to, you know, fit to me? Isn't it my job to kind of figure out what they need? And it really changed how I thought about it. Yeah. And so in addition to your teaching, you're also, just a little side note, assistant principal in the Kalamazoo Symphony Orchestra, which is also in our building here at the Epic Center. I just want to ask last question before the break. Um, your current balance, because you do perform quite a bit, um, but you also teach quite a bit. So your current balance of creating, playing, and teaching, was that uh, what you expected like when you started taking music seriously? Or is it kind of a surprise the uh a mosaic of how it ended up for you. Yeah, not really at all. And and uh, to add to that, a third thing, which is just writing emails, which is something <laughs> I would yeah. never have expected. Oh. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, no, but it's been, uh, I've found as, uh, you know, you kind of mentioned earlier, saying yes to things when they come up. And I've kind of just, uh, I followed that philosophy and it's really brought me to places I would never have expected, but I'm really happy where I am now, so. Very good. All right. We'll be right back in just a short break. And then I'll ask these two panelists some preview panel questions. So hang tight. Kalamazoo is rich in arts and culture. Our commercial, educational, and creative economies thrive when our community has spaces and places to connect and outlets for creative expression. The arts improve individual well-being, drives tourism, sparks creativity, and strengthens our bonds. The Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo encourages you to give to an arts organization of your choosing. We are better together because of the arts. Visit KalamazooArts.org to see all of the happenings in our community. That's KalamazooArts.org or on any of our social media platforms. This message is brought to you by the Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo, proudly supporting more than 200 artists and arts organizations in our community. The Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo exists to infuse arts and culture into the commercial, educational, and creative economies of our region. WKZO. You're listening to The Creative Cafe, sponsored by the Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo on 590 and 106.9 FM, WKZO. Welcome back to The Creative Cafe. Uh, again, my name is Eric Oliphant, and today we are featuring Artist Happy Hour Job Fair, Performers, Educators, and Creators, happening on Sunday, February 11th at Bell's Eccentric Cafe. Uh, the doors open at 1.30 and the panelist discussion starts at 2. 
and then we'd kick it into a job fair, uh, including several lo- local arts organizations at about 2.45 until 4. Um, the bar will be open. There'll be food provided. It's totally free, and I do ask that you register to attend. You can find all that information at kalamazooarts.org. Um, in this second segment, I'm going to bring both Marissa and Nick in to talk a little bit about what the panelist discussion is going to talk about, some questions about, you know, networking and art and jobs and teaching and all the things. So uh, without further ado, um, Artist Happy Hour, uh, the program from the Arts Council is kind of primarily a networking event. How important was it to each of you to have a network of colleagues, friends and mentors when you each landed your careers kind of as they are now? Yeah, I mean, um, so I went to Western for my undergrad and then obviously Wellspring is located in downtown Kalamazoo. So it was pretty interesting while I was pursuing my undergrad, I remember taking my senior seminar class and there was all this focus on an elevator speech, right? You have like a minute to tell this person, this hypothetical person, the most important thing about your work and why they should hire you. And that's something that's always in the back of my mind because in my day-to-day life now, I feel like every conversation I have is an elevator speech. <laughs> sure. And But it's really exciting because I have other former professors that I can go to that are still in the area. I have fellow peers that I graduated with that may be in other cities that have different setups. So I can say, how does this sound to you based on where you live? So it's really nice, I think, in the arts because it it is a challenging world to really survive in as an artist. You have to be, you have to have tenacity and you have to feel passionate about it. And having that network of support to remind you of the community that's also a part of it is what I found most important. And that feedback that you get from those people that you trust, especially when it's something as intimate as your work, especially Mm. if you choreograph a piece and if you show it to some Joe Schmo on the street, they may be like, well, I don't know what that is. You're rolling on the floor. But if I send it to someone that, you know, I, I respected and, you know, I tell them what my concept is and then they're able to provide me more valuable feedback than cool. Nice. Thanks, exactly. Grandma. Exactly. Great yeah. job. Yeah. yeah, I think personal uh, relationships are really important. And I think, um, you know, in the music world, it's really easy to you know, shut yourself in the practice room. You put so much of your work is solitary, uh, and so you know, um, in the music world, there is probably uh, I, I don't know a whole lot about the dance world, but there's probably a more established system for getting gigs and stuff like that. Uh, but I yes. I think when you get <laughs> when you do get to those gigs, it's really important to to meet the people around you and and kind of figure out what they're doing. Um, I mean, for one thing, it's just more fun. It's more interesting to do that. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's where so much of the information I've gotten and support that I've gotten uh, has come from is just meeting people. Very good. Um, Eric Booth, who is kind of, uh, as Brian uh, Zacher says, the god of teaching artists uh, in the teaching artist world, says there is no consensus on the term teaching artists, but both of you, I think, fall into the category as both teachers and performers. Do you consider yourself a, quote, teaching artist? Did you ever hear that term and say, that's what I am? Um, Do you think other peers that are just performers should dip their toes into teaching? Yeah, um, the first time I heard teaching artists was actually more in the Kalamazoo community. And it's interesting because I am a teacher. I instruct our professional company, and then I help cultivate all the instruction that happens in our dance academy. But I also feel like I'm always learning 
from those that I am instructing, which I think that that leads into the answer of the second part of that, of should all artists teach? And if you don't have that inclination to want to share what you do and try to impart that knowledge, then maybe teaching isn't for you. And maybe you're more of that lock yourself in the room. And that's Picasso. Those are those virtuoso sure. performers Absolutely. and artists. But I find that the community that Kalamazoo has in the way that I want to run a dance space is an active learning environment for everyone. Mm. Yeah. I also just, as a teacher, I've always learned things from my students. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, uh, uh, for better or worse, it's going to change what your art is uh, mm -hmm. teaching. And um, for me, it's always been for the better. I, I think it's been a really important part of uh, my growth as a musician is teaching for sure. It's uh, definitely, uh, I'm in the music side of things too, so I don't know if this relates to Marissa's side in the dance world, but it's always m magnificent to realize that people understand something that you know in a different, a completely different way. And through teaching, sometimes that's like, oh, I'm teaching you how I understand it, and that doesn't work. And then you realize, oh, no, this person understands it the same level that I do, but in a totally different way. And you're like, wow, this is, uh, you know, humanizing and mm -hmm. makes you feel like. And it can open up so many possibilities for you, right? In yes, your art exactly. You approach things. Exactly. It's exactly. Very grounding experience. Yeah. You have something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so if you chose not to be teachers as it, like as part of your performing careers do you think it would be sustainable i think we kind of touched on this a little bit but either based on like your mediums like we joked about modern dance and gigs and stuff but uh, or the location does kalamazoo support just a performing career um or does the chameleon part of it does that have to be what you have to do when you live in west michigan or in you know string music and mm -hmm. modern dance i mean i'll say i think for musicians having a kind of a stable um, set of students mm -hmm. is probably the, as a freelancer, that's probably the easiest way to have a uh, stable income. Right. Um, you know, in Kalamazoo specifically, there are a lot of, if you're a musician, there are not, uh, there, there are a number of gigs around mm -hmm. that you could do. I think you could make it work. Um, but it, teaching really is a, a really stable situation. I would agree. It's not too far off in dance. Um, I don't know a single dancer that their only job is going to their class and rehearsal that day. Even in New York City, dancers that I know out there, even dancers in LA, they sub elementary school classes sure. to then supplement their rent out there. Yeah. It's, um, it's a very real thing that dance artists do not make a lot of money. Um, but it's always so interesting. We always say like, I would dance for free because the feeling that you get from the fulfillment of that movement with the bodies around you is worth five checks from a corporation that you may not want to work for. <laughs> but let's be clear. We should be paid for that. We a should lot be of yes, money definitely. and it should be sustainable to yes. be just a performer. But yes, good, good answers from both of you. Last question. Um, as young or emerging artists out of school, did you have either of you have opportunities like an artist job fair and why should people attend in addition to hearing both of you, be experts on being performers and teachers? Um, out of high school, I didn't have anything along these lines, but I would say while I was in college, there was a lot more opportunities for networking as far as attending like 
ACDA, so a college dance festival, um, things along those lines. You start to overlap with other schools, even performing at um, different choreography competitions around the state. So there's sort of that networking that's happening, but no sort of direction as to where to go afterwards. So I would have loved something like this when I was in high school choosing to pursue the arts, and especially when I was leaving school knowing that all right, now I'm going to dip my feet in and we're in this thing. Um, So you should come and listen because once again, as I said at the beginning, I don't know how I ended up here really, but I can tell you my story and I'm happy to tell you all about what we do at Wellspring and encourage you to move your body, whether you're a new mover or a very experienced mover. Mm. Yeah, this is definitely not something that I was exposed to uh, and it would have been extremely helpful for me. Uh, So yeah, I think, I do think that as you know, I'm, I think older than both of you right now. Uh, when I was in school, this side of things was really not something that was um, brought up a whole lot. You know, teachers were about learning how to play. Right. You know, you do all the work yourself, and then they just kind of kick you out into the world. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck, exactly. So, I, yeah, I think any opportunity you have uh, for networking and for learning about kind of the business side of things, absolutely, that's something you should pursue awesome well i kind of uh led you into giving a good pitch to come to the event but if you if you were convinced on your own anyways uh sunday february 11th at 2 p.m at bells uh it is free to attend come on in we're going to do a little panel discussion about these topics and a lot more and then you're going to actually get a chance to meet these orgs that are actively hiring performing jobs teaching jobs administrative jobs Both of the uh, organizations that you both work at, Wellspring and Crescendo, I believe, are going to be there, and um, in addition to several more. So come out and join us. Um, In addition to Nick and Marissa, Duandra Nicole Lampkin is going to be on the panel. And this is, again, a collaboration with Kalamazoo Reese's Education for the Arts. So shout out and thank you to them. Thank you both for joining me this morning. And we will see you on February 11th. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time this morning to join us at the Creative Cafe for the second year in a row. Kalamazoo has been named one of the top 40 cities in the nation for arts vibrancy. We are also ranked number five for medium-sized communities. This is not by accident. The abundance of creative expression and opportunity in our community is a result of planning, hard work, exceptional talent, and continued support for the abundance of arts and culture found in and around Kalamazoo. At the Arts Council, they encourage you to visit their website, kalamazooarts.org. That's kalamazooarts.org. And see all that Kalamazoo has to offer. See a show, take in an art exhibition, volunteer for your favorite organization, or give a donation to support the vibrancy that makes Kalamazoo such a wonderful place to live and work. Help us amplify the arts in our community. Now you know. Please tune in next week for another installment of Creative Cafe.